Welcome back to the island, ladies and gents. Jay Sahoda, Falalahi. And we have the NBA Finals preview on this episode as we finally have a finals matchup as the Denver Nuggets will match up against the Miami Heat as they found a way to take Game 7 against Boston after almost blowing a 3-0 lead to the Celtics. We will talk about that game, that series, the offseason coming up for the Boston Celtics. We'll talk about the Jalen Brown situation and a whole lot more there with what Boston may or may not do with his contract going forward. And of course, we will preview the Heat Nuggets NBA Finals later on in this episode as well. So keep it locked. Got a lot of finals talk, Celtics talk, and Eastern Conference Finals talk on this episode. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. The NBA Finals matchup is finally set, and we got the whole pre episode of Baller Islands. And of course, we will recap the absolutely insane ending to the Heat Celtics series from the last time we were on this pod. We did not know it was going to go seven. We had a feeling it might, and it did. And breaking news, I will not be doing this podcast solo. B has found his way onto the pod He'll get all everything he needs to out from last night's Game 7 loss to the Heat. We'll talk about that and much more. It will be the Denver Nuggets against the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. I'm so here for this matchup. I know a lot of people aren't, but we'll get into all that and much more. But obviously, we'll start with last night's Game 7 loss. B, I don't think I need to ask. I don't, I don't I think all of us need to know how you're feeling. I think we all know how you're feeling, but... You can take us through the roller coaster of emotions that you've been through over the last few days. Oh my God. Talk about a roller coaster of emotions, man. Game six, you know, they had a 10 point lead. I was feeling good. They almost choked away the lead. I'm stressed. The two Duncan Robinson threes that he missed, I think I died. My heart stopped. I came back to life. The Marcus Smart three, you, like, it was so quiet in my house. And then when Derek White tipped that in, I was saying right before the pod, the only time I've sprinted around my house and screamed at the top of my lungs like that was the Malcolm Butler interception. Um, so I was like riding super high. And then 48 hours later, depression walked in. And now we, uh, we got smoked yesterday. I mean, that was embarrassing. Talking about the actual game, like to, to lose by 20 from the jump, the, the crowd was electric at home, game seven, all we've been talking about, and just lay an absolute goose egg. Um, super pathetic, man. I, super pathetic. At least at least make it a game, and whatever happens, happens. But to just straight up not show up was uh, embarrassing. It Yeah, it was a pretty big letdown. It almost kind of seemed like the Celtics just ran out of gas in that game. I mean, they, they couldn't hit a three for their life in that first half. They, they really just couldn't get going. And then once the Heat kind of found the rhythm in the very, in the first like two, three minutes, I was kind of like, okay, like it was, the Heat couldn't get a bucket for, for their life with them. It took like maybe three, four minutes to really get going. But once Miami started knocking down some shots and as soon as they went back to their zone defense, it was a wrap from there. It was good night. Boston couldn't get anything going. And then on top of that, they couldn't get anything from deep. And it was over from there. And just like that, Miami avoids being on the bad side of history and giving up a 3-0 lead. They managed to come away with a Game 7 win. Of course, after last year losing Game 7 at home to Boston, one year later, they get Game 7 on Boston's home floor. But I'm with you. Yeah, it was it was rocking in the beginning. Like they, The TNT crew was like, they've never, they were calling it a college football atmosphere. In the beginning of that game. It and was all, wild, man. All the energy got sucked out on the first play of the game when Tatum twisted his ankle. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think that that was almost like... It completely changed, the day, completely changed the game. I mean, obviously, that's your best player. Um, and then it felt like everybody else outside of Derek White was just, like, shocked. Like, they didn't know what to do. They were in shock. Everybody, you know, was taking bad shots. I think the last two games, even game six... Combined, there were 16 of 73 from three. And it was like, this is a team that lives and dies by the three. 
somehow you managed to eke it out in game six because your defense was so good. Um, but then in game seven, your attention to detail wasn't there on defense. And, you know, you just keep checking up the threes, hoping it's going to go in. And then you don't have a dude like Tatum who can get to the rim anymore. So, I mean, that that was just so unfortunate, the way he twisted his ankle on, his first, on the first play of this game because he always shows up in elimination games, always has a big-time game. He looked ready. Um, and he, I, I respect him for still trying to play through it, but he was so obviously hurt. Yeah, it, it was obvious that ankle was bugging him right from the get-go, and it was kind of a, a buzzkill to the game to have that happen right from the get-go, and he never just recovered from that. I, I do agree. I admire the fact that he he found a way to power through it. It's game seven. You gotta. There's going to be bumps and bruises along the way, and yet he still played the whole game. Got to give him a lot of credit for that because, you know, the matter of the fact is just he he wasn't. He was grimacing a lot in that second half. He landed a few times and you saw the look on his face. He, he wasn't right for most of that game. And it is very unfortunate. But I got to I think the best player on the court for Boston last night was Derek White. Yeah, that dude it was like it was like it's, I was saying throughout the game. I'm like, as soon as he had one shot, I'm like, don't let him get hot. Don't let Derek White get hot. You let Derek White get hot. Miami's got problems. But even that wasn't really enough, and that and that's kind of the end of it. But before we kind of slide over to um, the, the Nuggets Heat series in the finals, oh, any last? Hold any... on, hold on. We got, we got to, we got to go through three different ranges. Still, we got to spend some time on this because we talked about the game a little bit. I got to do a whole little thing here on Jalen Brown and on. Mozilla. Well, that's what. Well, well, that's what I was gonna say. I'm like, do you have any? Finishing thoughts on on the Celtics season to say, and obviously Jalen Brown and Missoula's got but that's where I was going to go for that before right. moving forward. Let so me get so go for it. So and we'll go back and forth on this. We'll go Jalen Brown first, but I mean the fact of the matter is Jalen Brown had an absolute garbage garbage series to the point where he was being outplayed thoroughly by Caleb Martin. Um, that that's not even a that's I wasn't even close. No, you look if an alien came down and was watching this series, like Caleb Martin is a is worth the fifty mil that Jalen Brown is supposed to get this summer, and mm. not Jalen Brown. Um, but Ka- freaking Caleb Martin, man, I can't stand that dude. I, he's gonna, <laughs> anyways. But Jalen Brown, we're talking about Derek White who showed up. Tatum gets hurt. This is supposed to be. You're the second best player on the team. You were second team All-NBA. This is when you're supposed to show up and make your money. Um, Instead, you had three, four horrendous three-point shots, similar to what Mm. happened in game three. You had eight turnovers in this game. And tell me how many of them were forced turnovers. They were almost all unforced. He's crossing over his hands, not in the right spot, where he's dribbling it off his foot. Um, and I, I got into this a little bit last week, um, when they finally won one game, but it's like Jalen Brown was so bad. Um, he stopped playing defense this whole year, has really bad lapses on boxing out, takes some bad shots. And now we've seen it two years in a row where last some or last year, Miami figured him out completely. They were hounding him and golden state did a number on him, on him in the finals. And now the same thing here. Um, he can't dribble. So, like, there's a big-time question mark with Jalen Brown. And I've never been one to say, oh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum got a split. But to me, like, you cannot, and we know Jalen Brown's going to, he's online for a $300 million extension. $300 million. There's no way Jalen Brown is worth $300 million. And you're going to tie him and Tatum up and make them $600 million worth. There's absolutely no chance Jalen Brown is worth $300 million. And I hate to say it um, because this might lead to them breaking up before both of them get to their primes. But to be honest, like if you're paying $300 million for two dudes, they better be two top five guys or two top 10 guys. Mm. And Jalen Brown is what? A top 20 guy. He was second team all NBA, but that's because, you know, LeBron wasn't there. KD wasn't there. Like a bunch of these forwards that you would have above Jalen Brown weren't in the mix, right? He's not a top four forward in the league. Um, so there's a big question marks with him. Do we trade him, sign and trade? Because he was downright awful in this series, and he's 100% not worth the money to me. It's almost like uh, 
It, not entirely similar, but a little bit, almost like a Kyle, Kyle and Demar kind of thing of like, you know, we never thought they were going to split up and then they ended up splitting up and it ended up being for the best. But for this, like Jalen Brown, I'm in a hundred percent agreement. Dude was horrendous for a lot of this series. He didn't really have his moment where they needed him to step up. And last night and that even Reggie Miller probably said it like a, a hundred times. He's like, Jason Tatum is hurt. Who who's now your next guy to step up? Jalen Brown. That's you. That's your call, man. Like that's, that's you to go in there and drop 30 in a game seven when your team needs it. And you're getting what you're getting from Derek White. Horford made a few threes. Robert Williams really showing his presence in the paint. And Jalen Brown, like you said, the eight turnovers was just abysmal. His shot, like there was just, I, I know exactly which three-point shot you're, you're thinking of because I said the same thing last night. And I was like, what the hell was that? He's just chucking up random shots. It was, it was one for nine from deep. Like it was just not really, though, his, the whole series. The whole series. You know the, the stat? Series. He had 133 points on 134 shots. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's just yeah. He was not. He was not good. He was not good. And they needed both stars to step up. And Tatum needed the one time Tatum needed help. Jalen Brown didn't show up. I think no question. Boston has a tough situation going into the off season to look at this right now. It's like, do you obviously you're looking at it? Do we pay him? Do we really put all our eggs in this basket of? Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown going forward. This is our future. We trust them or we break it up when we got to see what else works because after that series, no, Jalen Brown's not worth that contract. No way is he worth that contract. We got to find someone else that's going to show up, pair him with Jason Tatum. That's going to show up in the playoffs that could take it over the hump. That's what Boston's looking for right now, right? They're looking for what can take us over the hump. We know the regular season. Racing doesn't matter. Boston going to be a top, you know, one of the top seeds in the East again. They're a great team. They're going to get there. Now it's what do we got to do to get over the hump in the playoffs? They got to the finals last year, couldn't get over the hump. Now this year they're trying to get back to the finals, almost made it back, couldn't get over the hump. Boston's got to kind of look at this at, at this team right now when there's not really much to fix, really. Like they get, they still, they have a great team. But you're going to get to the Missoula point because I think that's obviously the next domino here is the coaching situation because Boston's inconsistencies, and we talked about it last week, a lot of people have talked about it throughout the playoffs. That's not the Boston Celtics team that we know them to be. So we'll get to that in a bit too. But to, to get to your the Jalen Brown thing, man, I it's going to be really interesting to see what Brad Stevens and co. do when they go to the drawing board and they see, you know, what their decision is on on Jalen Brown, but I don't think he's worth that contract. But hey, we'll see what they decide to do. I mean, the tough part about it is, is you're trying to stay competitive. You can't Jalen Brown and be as good as you were now. You know what I'm saying? If you're trading Jalen Brown yeah. right now, you're taking a step back. Um, so it's tricky because you might you might have to take a step back and get a bunch of pieces. But then it's like you don't want to waste Tatum's window either. But then at the same time, if you pay this dude, now we who knows? Maybe this team did reach their ceiling and now we're stuck. I think the biggest thing, and this is my next question to you before moving over to Missoula, is if you're going to move on from Brown, who in mind would you want to pair with Jason Tatum? Because again, even like you just said, you trade Brown away for what, like a a, a package of, of picks or other players. Is that enough to get you over the hump? I don't think so. You need another superstar to pair with Jason Tatum to put because they have all the other role players there. They got the the band of kid. Malcolm Brogdon didn't even get a fair hand in this series, but yeah, he was he, hurt. He yeah, he struggled. Right? He, he he chucked up one three or saying I'm like, oh shit, like this, like this, this boy, this boy can't even shoot a three properly, and he's still out there grinding away. And so Robert Williams had the stomach flu. I thought he played well yesterday, but then he apparently he was, he was throwing up during the oh, game. Oh god, that's brutal. But yeah, he no, just I, I, ran out. I, I I thought Rob Williams was great throughout the series as well. But yeah, that's yeah, they 100 ran out of steam. That's the best way to put it. But again, you need you need another superstar there. So. My question to you is, who would you want to pair with Tatum, assuming they were to move on from Jalen Brown? Yeah, I mean, this is this is where it gets tough. Um, because Grant Williams is also... I mean, remember, Grant Williams wanted to get paid. I think his 
his deal mm. is a lot more manageable now. So he could be a dealable contract where you could, you know, swap him smart. You know, Robert Williams also has a good deal. So there's like a lot of pieces that could go in and out here. Very sure. Um, but for the Jalen Brown part, it's like I a lot of Damian Lillard talk. I don't agree with that because I'm paying the same amount I would pay for Jalen Brown is I'm going to be paying for Damian Lillard, except Damian Lillard's 33 years old. Yeah. So I would I would rather pay Jalen Brown the money than the guy like Damian Lillard the money. Where who knows maybe Jalen Brown hasn't even hit his prime yet, right? Um, then the case where Bradley Beal, I've never been on the Bradley Beal bandwagon. I think that dude's not a winning mm, player. Yeah, no, no. Right? Agreed. So the one to me, this is something to keep an eye on, um, would be Embiid. Because M- Embiid, I mean, they just fired Doc, right? Harden, if Harden leaves this summer, right, which a lot of people might think, mm-hmm. and now Embiid's looking around and he's like, yo, Tyrese Maxey's my second best player. Um, or Nick Nurse maybe throughout the early part of the year, Nick Nurse is just running them to the ground because, you know, Nick Nurse kind of gets confrontational with players, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And he's like, yo, I'm looking around. Tyrese Maxey's my second-best guy. This team can't compete. Um, I want out. That maybe Jalen Brown could be the centerpiece of an Embiid deal. Um, that's, but to be honest, I'm only trading Jalen Brown if I'm, if I'm getting a dude better than Jalen Brown. I'm not yes. trading him. Yes. for broken down pieces yes. on the opposite side. Right, and that's and that's why I kind of compared it and referred to the Raptor situation with Kyle and DeMar, right? They broke them up, but that was to get a Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, Leonard, and that took them over the hump. Making a move for a dude like Embiid, that is 110% a move to go to take you over the hump and go all in because you already know what you're getting out of JT. You, if you just get a healthy Embiid and you pair the two with them, Man, that's, that's unstoppable. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then with the role players that you already have, and then maybe Gallinari coming back. They, right? And then maybe at the deadline, maybe you there's someone else that comes available that you try and add them last minute. The, now you become an unstoppable force. That's what I am 100%. You, I think the best way for Boston to go about it is if you have no other options available right now, then you bring Jalen Brown back. But... You deal him and you move on if you are able to make a move that will take you over the hump. That's what that, that's all Boston needs to do, right? Their whole offseason plan is what gets us over the hump. We're this close, they're inches close. What gets us over the hump? I mean, here the, the thing is, I didn't want well, I mean, when there was Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant rumors floating around, mm. I was against it. I didn't want Kevin Durant. Um, and I mean, I, I still don't think KD would have, you know made a difference in this series um, uh, or different from Jalen Brown. I still think Jalen Brown was the right call over KD considering Brown's got more years on him and KD's kind of always hurt. Um, yeah. But then like the, the flip side of it is when you're talking about your, your, your squad over here, we know Larry and DeRozan capped out, right? Like that was obvious for all of us. It's like that team was yeah, never going to win a championship. Yep. Yep. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the thing that I'm kind of talking myself into is, Tatum's 25 still, and he's been through five Eastern Conferences. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown's 26. And I, I've said this before, but it's like nobody wins a championship until they're 28. Like Curry won at 28. That's when you hit your prime. Michael mm. Jordan won at 28. Right? All these yeah. guys start winning. Like think about LeBron. He didn't win until his second year in Miami. Mm. Right? So all these guys start winning at 28. So I'm like, you sign them their deals, Right? Tatum gets to 28, Brown's, or Brown gets to 28, Tatum gets to 27. That's when they're their primes. And now it's like, you know, they're probably two years deep into the deal. And now it's like, you're in your prime. If we still don't see it, now we can move on from you. But I, there's part of me that wants to see them get to their prime because, you know, all you, they're this good, this young. The hump could just be like, yo, Tatum uh, takes one more step and he's the best player in the league. And that's good enough. You know what I mean? I I think that's a great point because I think we often forget how young Brown and Tatum are, especially Jason Tatum, because the way we put him in the class now is one of the best players in the NBA. And we put him there. We're like, I think a lot of us assume. That's what I'm saying, right? A lot of us assume that dude's in his prime right now. But then when you bring up his age and it's like he's been to as many conference finals as he's been already, 
it's freaking impressive. And he hasn't even gotten to, like you said, like his prime yet. Like that's almost kind of scary, kind of scary to think about when you put it like that. But I think that's a great point because like you got to be patient. And when you've already gotten to the part where you're at, Boston's really close, man. You know, why not just keep at it and just trust the process? Some teams have done it and it's worked, right? Milwaukee did it and it worked. So State we've seen exactly Golden State did it and it worked. Or you see Denver did it and it's and it's working. Um, and no, so, Jokic is twenty eight in his prime now, right? Uh-huh, like, yep, there three you go. years right, ago at, when we were talking about, um, you know, that one when Jamal Murray was going off and yeah. they lost in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, you know, you give him three years now. Jokic is back to back MVP all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah. League. Right. So Jimmy like, Jimmy Butler's another one. Right. He's had to wait wait a minute to get his opportunity. Because well. I still think Tatum has not reached like like Tatum's got. I think to me levels more than this right now. Right. So I'm thinking at I one agree. day I agree. he's gonna be the league MVP. Yes. And he'll oh, be the oh, best yeah. player of, in the league. And at that point, when you're the best player in the league, you're gonna be. Um, you're gonna have it. You should be making, you know, always be floating around championship waters like that. Jalen's story is a little bit different because I don't think his ceiling's nearly as high as Tatum's. I agree. No, I, I I agree with that, and I 100% agree with the Tatum thing. And I I said that literally this year, and I said it last year too that Tatum should have been in the MVP conversation, and he's just for never for some reason just never is. But I am with you. He has a lot more a lot more to get there and he without a doubt should be an MVP in, in the coming years. He's, he is that good. I think we're all aware that he is that, that good and he can reach that potential. So that, that is true. I mean, it, like I said, like we said, right. It, they're that close already. Now you have two options, right? You bring them back. You trust the process. They're still young. You keep moving with it or the other option. If you find something better that you know, that will take you over the hump, make the move and do it. So you got two options and it's really not the end of the world. It's just a, a real tough ending to what was a, a just an absolute roller coaster of a postseason, let alone this Eastern Conference Finals. But the postseason in itself was just very up and down for the Boston Celtics. But um, I think you got some more Missoula talk here. So yeah, because, we'll you that. know, you know, I've not been um, on Missoula this whole year. Right. I haven't been a fan of him. Yeah. Um, but I will say the last three games of this series, he coached his ass off. Um, he was calling timeouts like crazy compared to never calling a timeout all year. Um, and, you know, somebody, he went away from these two big lineups. The, the yeah, part for me yeah. is like, uh, I, I'm not really down with, you know, like Udoka and even Brad Stevens. The way that those teams are playing on defense, like that was their number one thing. Brad Stevens always had a top five defense, and Yudoka's def- like made them the best defense in the league. Yes. This this um this year, Missoula was a lot more. No, we're pay, you know, we're just chucking a bunch of threes. Um, we're gonna be the highest, we're we're super analytically focused. We're gonna shoot a bunch of threes, we're gonna make a bunch of threes, and when we're making them, we're gonna win. Um, but then it's like, they kind of try to reinvent themselves when they're down three zero and like, yo, let's get back to playing D you know, the way I operate, I need, I'm always on camp defense, always on camp defense, especially with the roster that they have, you gotta be rock solid on D. So I didn't, I didn't enjoy, you know, Missoula had quirks where he's not calling timeouts, shooting a bunch of threes, whatever. That might be today's NBA, but he's kind of like too stubborn for me. So one, I don't. I actually don't believe Missoula is going to get fired. And I didn't think, even if they lost in a sweep, I didn't think he was going to get fired. I think that's Brad Stevens' guy. And I think he's like, you know what? We can't go through four coaches in four years with mm. a prime core. That's just not gonna, never going to happen. You got to have a little bit of consistency here. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to keep them. I've talked about the guys they've lost in Will Hardy, Damon Stoudemire, and um, Yudoka, obviously. Now, I, what I think they're going to do is they're going to bring back Missoula. I think they're going to go out. Steven Silas is almost everything but a lot. Steven Silas is a lock to come to the assistant coaching staff, um, who is a head coach in Houston. And the, my hope, and I, I have a good feeling about this too, is but they're going to bring Frank Vogel in, who is perfect mm. call. So Frank Vogel, Steven Silas, two obviously 
previous head coaches, but Frank Vogel is the kind of guy you need here who's got championship experience, who I think why I love Yudoka so much, even though Yudoka's X's and O's, you know, game planning, whatever, wasn't the greatest. That was a no-nonsense, accountable kind of dude who would knock some sense into Tatum. And there was never an effort question with Yudoka. There's been a little bit of effort questions this year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You bring Frank Vogel in, same kind of cloth. We're playing defense. We're grinding this stuff out. And now Mazzula's going to act as our offensive coordinator, you know, pace and space, swing the ball, whatever. But bring two old heads in, really knuckle down on this kind of defense. I don't think Mazzula's going to get fired. I think that's Brett Stevens' guy. That's where I'm at. I think it's kind of hard to fire a guy who did as well as Missoula did throughout the entire season, considering what transpired before the season. And I know that there were some rumors swirling when the Celtics were down 3-0 saying that the whole Udoka situation really took a toll on them this season. But I think we all know that. I think you got to be an idiot to not realize that. Having said that, the fact that Boston still was one of the best teams in the East, they didn't really miss a beat. Um, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals again, barely made it back to the NBA Finals, made a series in which we thought they were dead in the water, and yet they fought back and made something happen. You do have to give them a lot of credit, and you do have to give Missoula a lot of credit in that way too, is that they kept fighting and they didn't miss a beat. Like a team that goes through a lot of adversity, especially before the season— they probably dropped to maybe the sixth seed or the seventh seed. They're inconsistent through the regular season, um, you know, losing the second round to Philly like that. That's more of like what you would expect from a team that has gone through some shit. Yet Missoula comes in and this and the team overall, yes, the way that they play was different than how they did over with Yudoka. Like you already mentioned, the offense was very different. The defense was extremely different. Did not help. Was not for the better. I wasn't really a fan of the offense either. I get it. Um, like you said, the new NBA, you want to shoot a lot of threes. I get that. But I, I just don't think that worked. And especially in this series, it did not work. Because it was it was exactly like you said. When Boston made their threes, they were almost unstoppable. And then when, they, then when it was Brick City, they were getting blown up by 20. So it's like it just it didn't really work. But then last year, like we talked about it a lot last year under Udoka, their defense was disgusting. Like they were, they were dominating teams defensively. We were talking about them as if it was like um, the best defense we've seen since like the Pistons. Yeah, like it was that good. And to have a drop off like this just doesn't make any sense. They, they were that good. And I remember you telling me like midway through the season, you're like, "This defense is ridiculous." And then I watched one full game, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like they. Like this defense was nasty. Like you couldn't get past anyone, and they had, they had a certain swagger to them on defense too. Like you know what I'm saying? They played with a certain intensity and a certain attitude where it's like you don't want to like you don't want to go up against a team like this. You didn't get that sense with the Celtics this year, and I think that now that is the problem with Boston. Yes, with on the coaching side of things, and I think what you said makes a ton of sense. If you're not gonna move on from Missoula. Get some experienced coaches in the building. Get them on the sidelines to help an inexperienced guy like Missoula, who is no longer inexperienced now. Now he's in the playoffs. He's been to an Eastern Conference final. He has coached in some done some good things. He's done some bad things. You're going to learn from that move on. But when you add some experienced guys into the coaching staff and into those meetings, that's only going to help him. It's only going to help the team. I agree with you. That is what if they keep him, and I think they will keep him as well. So overall, throughout the season, I think Missoula deserves a lot of credit, considering the fact that all that shit happened before the season started, and yet they still ended up in the Eastern Conference Finals like we all kind of anticipated them to. But the inconsistencies in the playoffs, that's the part where I'm like... Lapses. Yeah, where Missoula's getting a lot of heat, and he should deserve that. Because when we talked about it last week, too, the Hawks series should have been over in four or five games. They shouldn't have allowed that to go to six. The Sixers game should not have gone to a game seven. They got down early in that one. And then to get down 3-0 to Miami, without all due to respect to Miami, they are in the NBA Finals for a reason. Yeah, they're in 18. We're going to talk about that in a bit. They played really good as a team. 
but that should have not gotten to 3-0. Maybe 3-1 at some point, like Boston getting a game early in the series or 2-2. Like, it should have not gotten to 3-0. Like, no way should have a Boston team with the way this team is built should be down 3-0 to the Miami Heat. Should have not happened. So that whole inconsistencies throughout the postseason is not going to help you win championships. And I thought the TNT guys did a great job of breaking that down. And they talked about that a lot. These The lapses, the inconsistencies throughout the postseason, throughout the series against Miami, just was way too hot and cold. And that's not going to help you win a championship. The Celtics, they need, if they're going to stick with Missoula, they got to almost kind of think of a new identity. Get back to what kind of got them there last year. Because what got them there last year, I'm with you. You know me. I'm a defense, especially in football. I'm a, I'm a defensive guy too. You you got to start with defense and then you get to the offense. If you don't have a good defense, like you're screwed. Boston's got to get back at that, that hard team that you don't want to play against. Like the, the Pistons. That's a great example. That Pistons. Nobody wanted to play that Pistons team. Nobody did. You don't want to play like a team with that kind of defense and that kind of physicality. You don't want to play against them. The Celtics need to kind of reinvent themselves that way to get back to who they used to because at times this season, it was like teams are just running all over them. And it's like, that's that's not the Celtics team that we know them to be. Yeah, I mean, the, they just had, they've had lapses all year. Um, there was a point where early in the year when they would go up 20 and they would blow it. Um, there was a weird stretch in March where they were losing like every other game, basically. They lost some to the Jazz you know, to OKC, to Houston, it was a close one, to Chicago. Like, just losing to bad teams. And I was kind of like the first red flag, um, losing to all these really bad teams. And then one of the things that I can't get over is the last two years, they're below 500 in the playoffs at home. Like, how do you lose three games yeah. at home yeah. in this yeah. series, right? It's This is like the atmosphere is – like second to none in terms of postseason basketball in the garden. And you, like, it's just like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like how, you know, I mean, those guys are talking about it. Like it's a soccer game or a football, college football game. And then you come out just super flat. Like it just, and with and Milwaukee, routinely, like it doesn't make any sense. And with Milwaukee going down early, Boston had home court throughout the East. Right. So on top of that, you have home court throughout because the Bucks flopped in the first round and yet you still struggle at home. That's that's also not championship basketball. But let's get to, to, to actual championship yeah. basketball here and kind of move on here. We do got to talk about the heat here. Give them a lot of credit where it's due. We talked about the Nuggets last week. So let's kind of talk about Miami and then we'll get right into this Nuggets heat series. Miami, I, I got, I do got to say, man, this has been a very impressive run. It has been, it's been a lot of fun to watch throughout. I know, obviously, for you, you're sick of this damn squad, but I've really enjoyed watching this team from the beginning to now, seeing how they've managed to fight through this. The fact that they're even here, considering how we were talking about this team over a month ago, is kind of crazy. But from watching this team play from the beginning of the playoffs to now, it's like. They've really picked it up from that Hawks at the beginning of the playoffs. I was like, Oh my God, Miami's done. And now who the hell would have thought we'd be sitting here saying game one of the finals on Thursday and Miami is playing on June 1st. It's crazy, but they play really, really well together and they get guys who you don't expect. And we've been talking about this for the last several weeks. Struce is knocking down threes. Gabe Vincent's been great. Caleb freaking Martin decided. He should have won Eastern Conference. Oh, he should absolutely. I do absolutely. not care about Jimmy's name. Like, that is no, a, a no. crime it's... that he didn't win it. And I don't he had like... two daggers yesterday, too. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the third quarter, that, like, almost weird double dribble underneath the basket. Then he hit the three. And it's like, honestly, every single time this dude touched the ball and was open for a second, my family was, like, groaning. Like, if we were playing against Steph Curry last year. It was like, oh, my God, why is he open? Because he's just like, I swear the dude shot like 95% in the series. He was incredible. Caleb Martin was incredible, man. It was like Nevada Caleb Martin. Like it was, it was very impressive what he, he, what he did in that, in that series. But that's what I'm saying is you got a big game from game Vincent at one point in this series. 
You got big games from Caleb Barton. You got big. You got you got solid minutes out of Haywood Highsmith. I didn't even know who this dude was prior to this series until he came in. I was like, who in the world is this? He was given the minutes off the bench and he was playing good basketball. And all of this was without Tyler Hero. Just really impressive stuff overall from Miami. And of course, this all starts with Eric Spolstra. Then the job that he's done with this team, Eric Spolstra kind of just took it to all of us this entire postseason of being like, I'm still one of the best coaches in the NBA right now. And he, and he I thought, did an absolutely unbelievable job with getting this Miami team to where it is today. I think he deserves a crap ton of credit. He deserves all of it. All yeah, of it. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like this, like, this Miami team is good on paper, but when you got a team or when you got a coach like Eric Spolstra, you know, getting this team and getting the potential – getting every single bit of potential out of this team, it's really impressive what he's able to do. And, and I think that he deserves all the credit in the world for this. And when you're looking at the coaching matchup in the NBA Finals up and coming, I kind of I kind of give Spo... Spo's been here, done that. You know, this is his sixth, his sixth NBA Finals. Also, Michael Malone's first, I think, first. I'm not sure if he's been there as an assistant yet, but as a head coach, this will be his first. Yeah, I mean, dude, Spo, Spo has definitely got the edge. Um, I'm sick of this Bush League zone, though. Like, it's like, come on, man. We're, not, we're in the NBA. They say you 12 basketball, but, I mean, I guess you got to do what, what you got to do. Um, to, that I have is Tyler Hero is rumored to be back for game three. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't even know if I would play him, to be honest with you. I mean, we know how, like, the, this is what pisses me off about this Miami team. Their offense is terrible all year, and they're missing their second-best offensive player, creator. He can score, he can create, and somehow their offense decides to click. Um, so do you – like, what do you do with Tyler Hero? Because he's going to be taking away minutes from Caleb Martin, from Gabe Vincent. The, the lineups that were working all playoffs is where, you know, you have Gabe Vincent, you have Caleb Martin. There's no defensive liabilities on the floor at all. Tyler Hero is going to come in. He's going to take away shots from all these other guys, including Jimmy Butler, and he's going to be hunted on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that, too. Is And I know the kind of guy Tyler Hero is, too. It's like, will he will he kind of screw up the chemistry for Miami? And that's where I honestly don't know whether he was starting or coming off the bench throughout the regular season, but I would obviously have him come off the bench and have him slowly integrated into the lineup. I would not give him big time minutes just because he's big, he's important to the lineup or whatever. No, you don't fix if something's not broke. There is nothing broke about what's going on with the Miami Heat right now. They are balling. They got momentum. And they're playing good basketball. You got to give Caleb Martin those minutes. You know what I'm saying? They got to give Max Struess those minutes. They got to give the guys that are actually producing Duncan Robinson. They got to give him those minutes. He wasn't really getting many minutes before Tyler Hero's injury. Now he is. They got to give those guys those minutes because they are the ones that that's been producing all postseason as to why Miami's in the NBA finals in the first place. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see how they mix it in. But this is where I say you got to trust Spo and see if, how he's able to integrate him back in and seeing if it works because you don't want to add him in and then it kind of screws up your offense. And now all of a sudden things aren't looking very good because this Denver team, man, like you don't, you do not have a lot of time to get your shit together. You know what I'm saying? Like you got like Miami better be ready to come to play game one on Thursday, because if they're not ready to come to play game one and they come out flat, Denver going to win by 20. Like this team where like you cannot come out and, and be ready to play. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, uh, to be honest, I, I don't think Miami has any chance in this series at all. Um, I think Denver – I'm just going to say it right now. I think Denver takes care of business in five. Oof. Because, like, you're, I mean, Miami, let's – like, I think Boston was a much better matchup for Denver, right? And I think Miami, they kind of grinded out way they play, very similar to the Lakers, 
right? Mm. Very similar to the grinded out. We're more physical than you guys. Mm. Boston just pushed them to seven. They just made Miami play, you know, six more days than they wanted to. Denver's all rested up. Miami's now got to go to Denver in the altitude, play that run and gun style that Denver likes to play. And to be honest with you, we saw this last year with Jimmy Butler, where, you know, his legs were shot by the time it got to game seven, where he ended up taking the three because, like, I'm trying to end this now. And it was so short, right? Game six, you kind of saw it too, games five and six, where Jimmy's legs, because he's had such a load to carry this postseason, mm-hmm. where game five and six was like every shot he took, he was missing a lot of free throws. Well, everything was short. And then, thank goodness, you know, Caleb Martin's kind of taking the load off of him. But to be honest, I don't, I don't know if Jimmy can survive any more than he's doing right now. They're going to need Caleb Martin to continue doing this. Plus, they're going to need, you know, Gabe Vincent to look like he was in the first two or three games. Um, and that's not going to happen. I, I mean, I think Caleb Martin's going to average like eight points a game in this series. There's no way. I, I can't see him doing it again. I mean, it's, it's going to be very hard to do it again, no question. But Miami's going to need it. And game one is going to be fascinating in the sense that you have a Denver team that has not played in over a week. So how are they? Are they going to come super fresh and they're going to just be on fire and hitting on all cylinders? Or are they going to come out kind of sluggish and like need a little bit of time to get going? Miami, on the other hand, is are they going to come into this with momentum or is Miami going to come into Thursday just completely exhausted and gassed from a long, emotionally taxing seven-game series with Boston? Rather, Denver made quick quick work of the Lakers and they've been off for a week and a half. Very Two very different sides of the spectrum where the Nuggets got things done nice and easy and Miami took it all the way, you know, the distance with Boston. So two very different sides of things from the conference final perspective going into Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see which team kind of comes out. You know what I'm saying? Which team Yeah, no, comes I hear this is this is what like to me I mean I think Denver's going to win this series regardless of what happens but Miami needs to if they want any shot win game 1 cuz like you said this is when Denver's probably going to be at their worst and Miami's at their best is in game 1 cuz of cuz of what you just said um if they lose game 1 and now Denver gets into a rhythm games 2 and 3 Miami's going to start to break down a little bit because they've played in so many like like I get the Milwaukee series was quick. Milwaukee's a physical team. New York, that was like a freaking rock fight, right? And then the Boston series got outlasted. So to me, I mean, I think Denver's going to outlast them regardless. But Miami's really got to win game one if they want a chance to me. Agreed. Nope, I agree. Or at the bare minimum, get one of the first two. You don't want to go back down 2-0. I think at the bare minimum, I agree. If you really want to make a statement, go ahead and get game one like they did against Boston. Um, but at the same and I, and I think they, they took game one against Milwaukee too. So taking mm-hmm. game, game one's been big for them. And if they're able to take game one and playing game one on the road has not been. And the Knicks actually too. Yeah, the Knicks, right? So Miami has come out in game one and played very well, but they haven't had to come in and play game one coming off of what was a very mentally exhausting series. Like, I know you want to say, like, okay, yes, they won game seven, but they what they could have made quick work of Boston, and yet Boston just kept extending the series, and every time they did, it's like, man, that's a... You know what I'm saying? Like, they, it can get a lot for a team. It's like, yes, it's like, okay, we finally did it. It's over. We're moving on. But now it's like, you've got to win another four. You know what I'm saying? We have to play another series after this. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I'm, I'm with you. I, as much as, as much as I've really been loving this Miami run, and I kind of want to take them. I like Denver in six. I just, I think that the Nuggets, at the end of the day, they're too good. Jokic is too good. Jamal Murray's too good. Yeah, KCP playing good ball. Aaron Gordon, Brown, like the Nuggets play too well together. They've had all this time to rest, and the way that I look at it too is. Sure, if Miami wants to go and run the zone defense, great. We'll see how much it works. But realistically, 
who the hell is going to stop Jokic? Bam, like, like Jokic is like, Bam's like half the size of him. No, so that's that's what I was going to say next is like, uh, I mean, Bam is a great defender, but no question, AD is a bigger version of him. And what we saw what Jokic did to Bam, I mean, to AD, like it's going to be whatever. And if you want to go zone, good luck, because Jokic is probably the last dude in the league that you should go zone against because he can score from inside oh and God. outside. I was just about and to say can that. Hit. And a, a team like Denver that moves so much off the ball, are you kidding me? Jokic is going to dime them to death um, with all those cuts to Aaron Gordon and whoever. So, I mean, I was actually kind of curious to see how what Spo was going to show Jokic. Um but it might be some kind of like a matchup zone or something. Like Spo's gonna have to get really, really creative. Creative. Because you can't yep. just yep. sit in that zone. Boston, like you know, they like to put, they fall into um, hero ball phases where the ball doesn't move at all and it's like super stagnant. Nobody's moving off the ball. They can get really easy to guard and they just rely on their talent. But in Denver, I mean, you got. Michael Porter moving off of every screen. Jamal Murray's moving off of every screen. You fall asleep for one-tenth of a second. Aaron Gordon cut back door and he's dunking. Um, and then you got Bruce Brown, KCP taking, making shots. I mean, shoot. I, I don't see a world in where Miami um, has this thing on lock. And I think, like I said, I think Caleb Martin, is, which is going to piss me off, is going to go back down to earth and average eight points a game or something <laughs> like that. And – uh I think I think it's going to come down to KCP and Bruce Brown and those guys are going to outplay, you know, Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent and and those guys on the other side. I I think so too, and that's that's what I'm saying, right? Is I think the role players on both sides are both very good, but Denver to me, yeah, they just they're they're a much better team. They play better together. They play better, um, and. The thing and that I worry Jokic, about, man, they just and, got Jokic. Well, that well, that's the thing, right? And that's what I said. Is honestly, that's why I asked that question. Is realistically, who the hell is going to stop Jokic? We like, you can't pull Haywood Highsmith off the bench and be like, okay, he's going to take. Like, come on, man. Like the they don't get okay, what Kevin Love. Like the, you know what I'm saying? They don't have. They can't double answer. him. He's going to no. You. That's what I'm saying. You, and you made a great point when this is exactly where I was going with the two is. What are you going to do? clog up the paint for him, that's great. He can shoot a three. He can shoot a mid-range. He can, and like you said, dude dude averages a triple-double almost every game. You don't think he's going to be like, okay, great, great. You're going to try and double-team me? Great. I'm just going to let the rest of my squad eat. He, Jokic, selfless player. He's a very unselfish basketball player and will let the rest of his team eat. And that's what I'm saying, man. It's just, I don't know what Miami's going to do. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. But I just don't know if it's going to be enough. And I'm worried about Miami being just too exhausted to yeah. the point where it's, are we, do we have enough in us to get four more? They beat a Bucks team, which was just like an adrenaline rush, knowing it's like, whoa, we just knocked off a one. We just beat Giannis. Let's just take this momentum and run. Took quick, quick work of a Knicks team that's fairly inexperienced. The Heat were the better team in that series. I think a lot of us can agree, even though they're the eighth seed in that series. The Knicks were very inexperienced, took care of business there. And then with Boston, they're up 3-0, and they're like, whoa, we got a shot. And then all of a sudden, Boston comes back and rips off three straight, and you're like, oh, my Lord. And then game six in itself was literally an emotional roller coaster. I, I, in I can't its- believe they – yeah, that – that's major props to them to come you back could, in Game Seven and, and do that. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. That that takes a lot of grit, and that's where I'm saying Miami. They might have where this whole mental exhaustion thing that I'm talking about may not even matter because Saturday night, dude, that takes a lot of grit to come back out Monday night and perform the way that they did on the road. Boston's got all the momentum in the world. I think and in Game Six. It, it takes a lot of grit to do that, and and they got nobody the nobody right... else is doing that. That's like no a one of a kind. No, Miami, they got the right dudes in the building where they can do it. But I just I look at this team right now, and I'm like, do they have enough? Now, what might help Miami too is the NBA final schedule is a lot longer, so they got two days in between games, right? They got a few, so that might help them too. The schedule might help them a little bit more. Rather, the conference finals was every other night. 
this now they have a little bit of time in between to rest up. Because like you mentioned, Jimmy was gassed after what there was a like game four, game five. Buddy was just toast. This whole team's probably toast. Now they got three days to recover until Thursday. So we'll see what happens on, on Thursday. But I think I, I just worry that that's just going to be too much for them. And Denver's just going to is going to take it and run. But either way, I don't really care who wins this, to be honest. I love the fact that somebody new is going to win. Jimmy getting his first. Obviously, being from Toronto, I, seeing Kyle Lowry get back to the finals is pretty cool. I know it's not really the same, but I would love to see him get number two. And then for Denver, Jokic, yeah, it would be huge for him to add a, a ring to his legacy to see our homeboy Jamal Murray get a ring. It's it's a win-win situation in this finals to me. And this kind of brings me back, this matchup. Some people might have kind of taken it in, but I feel like you and I might have made more of a correlation to this. This almost takes me back to like 06 when you had a dude from Marquette playing on Miami going up against a up-and-coming star from Europe, a big man that was unstoppable. And now here in 2023, you got a special dude who played at Marquette for Miami against an up-and-coming... He's not up-and-coming anymore. He is one of, if not the best player in basketball from Europe. Big man in the league from Europe going out in the NBA Finals. I think that's a little interesting. Almost like that Miami-Dallas used to go back at it back in the day. This is kind of like, you know, Miami and Denver, almost like that Wade Dirk. You got Jimmy and Jokic kind of vibe. I, I A little, it's similar, and I kind of sense that kind of vibe, and I dig it. Okay, okay, okay. I see you. Um, no, but the uh, two things I wanted to get at was, I mean, we talked about Miami might be tired. Um, I mean, when Jokic saw those two old guys in, the, in, I mean, when he saw LeBron and, I mean, that team, he Jokic is – He's just like, yo, let's run. Let's run. And the altitude, no, they're not going to be able to hang. I mean, yo, just like you could see, I thought Jokic, like, everybody talks about LeBron's IQ, but, like, I saw a few plays in that series where Jokic made the play off of LeBron's, you know, antennas running, and LeBron was just, like, looking at him like, yo, what the hell? How did he know how to do that? So him in the Spolster chess match is going to be crazy. Um, and then the second thing is Miami's very small. Like, yes, Bam, Bam is, you know, he can protect the pain a little bit, um, but he's not that tall. And then when he comes out, I mean, yesterday they were like, no, we're not playing Cody Zeller. Imagine Cody Zeller playing in this series. Oh, my um, Lord. So they, they went small and they said high Smith, but like Jokic is going to average like what, 17 rebounds a game in this series? Like Atlanta in the first playing game in all year. My uh, Miami's gonna be getting smoked on the boards, and I think in that mm. Atlanta playing game, Capella had like twenty something rebounds in that game. So, to me, normally if you win the rebounding, um, you know the rebounds, you're gonna win the game. And I think Jokic, I mean, he's just gonna feast. He might average twenty rebounds a game in this series, seventeen rebounds a game. I'm gonna call it. He's gonna average well, sixteen, seventeen rebounds a game in this. Series. I honestly think he might. And I also say that because throughout, and you can agree with me or not, but in this Boston series, Miami sucked on the boards. I, there were mm-hmm. certain times. And I, Robert Williams was dominating Jesus. the offensive glass. Yeah, you don't think yes. Jokic is going to do that, but Jokic, every time he gets it, he's going to score. Yes, so you're going to get 20 and 20 off the jump from him. That's what, like There were times where, again, when Miami resorted back to the zone, and also, Boston missing a crap ton of threes also contributed to Miami getting more boards. But in the paint, more times than not, I was seeing Boston body the hell out of Miami on the glass. And that's it's what like, kept them in some of these games. That's right? what, it is. and it's like you can't do. It. I agree with you. Robert Williams destroyed these guys in the paint. You can't do that against Denver, man. You're gonna even KCP, man. Who's not like he's a, a pretty lanky dude, but like he's not the tallest guy. He's even gonna kill you in the paint if you let him in there. Like <clears throat> Miami has to be better on the glass, otherwise it's yeah. Jokic is just gonna he, he's gonna take him to school, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I what's your you said my Denver and six, right? Yeah, I'm gonna take Denver and six. Like I just I I can't I can see Miami stealing a game or two here. Yeah. Um, and making it a bit of a series. I just think at the end of the day, Denver's too good. And I'm afraid that Miami might run out of gas. I hope that they don't. And I hope that this is a 
very entertaining series because when I look at it, I've loved watching Miami. People who love the game of basketball should love watching Denver because they're just a fun mm-hmm. team to watch. So when you look at it that way, it's like two teams who I think a lot of people have genuinely enjoyed watching this postseason should be a great series. But if Miami kind of just falls flat at times, then it's like, I just don't know if they're going to get it done. And I just think Denver's the better team at the end of the day. It's crazy to think that we got a finals matchup. That's a one versus eight. It's crazy to think that. But again, Miami's been playing so well that you don't you don't look at them like that. Like the when I watch Miami, I don't really look at them like an eight seed. I just I look at them more like a four seed or even the fact that they were the top seed in the East last year. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's the same squad that just had a down regular season and once they got in, they just took it and ran with momentum. So that's the way that I kind of look at it. So I'm hoping it's a great series. If Miami wins, no question. I think it'd be the coolest damn thing to see Jimmy get his first and what a run it would have been. And like I said about Kalau and, and some of the rest of these Miami guys that, you know, aren't big name guys. Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, um, Duncan Robinson, all been balling this postseason. They're going to need to come up big time in this series. So I'm hoping this is a very entertaining series, and I think it will. But I am a little afraid that Miami might run out of gas at some point in this series. So I'll take Denver in six, but I'm cool with whoever wins this series, man. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't feel the same way about Miami as you do. I'm, I'm so <laughs> I know tired. That. I'm so tired of these <laughs> bombs, man. I mean, like, it's one thing I was saying this. It's one thing last year when you lose to the Warriors and, I mean, Steve Kirk coached his ass off. That's cool. Same thing the way Spo did. Whatever. But, like, Steph Curry going absolute bonkers in game four. I mean, shoot, I can live with that. I can't live with these bombs Caleb Martin and all these other scrubs in the NBA Finals. Like, I, I'm just, uh, I'm so tired of it. And I hope, you know, I hope Denver kills him, to be honest with you. I, I'm just so, so sick of these dudes. And my, honestly, like, I'm, I'm not even going to say it on here, but like, some of the, some of the con- <laughs> you're gonna have to, gonna have to get, get me that off the off off the recording. <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, I mean, we'll see what I I cannot blame you for feeling that way about Miami. I can I didn't even before this conference finals, you were saying you were tired of the C team. So I cannot I cannot blame you for that. I think if this ended in a sweep and Denver swept them, I think you'd be happy. Um, oh yeah, I'm all but, over that. But yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. I I just want good basketball. I don't want blowouts. I want close games. I want to see, I want to see good basketball throughout this series. But we'll see what happens here, man. But that'll do it from this episode of Baller Island. Enjoy games one and two of the finals. Game one goes Thursday night in Denver, and then that is followed by game two on Sunday night. So we'll have the first two games to recap when we jump on next Tuesday, and then we will obviously preview games three and four. Following that, be final thoughts. Oh my god, it's it's painful now though. Like not even the Celtics last, but like just these days with no ball on, it's just like it pains Facts. me, man. Like I, I every like every other night now, two out of three nights, I'm just gonna be sitting at home. Like, what am I doing here? Like, am I gonna just go to bed at nine o'clock because there's nothing to watch or what's going on? I will say, I will. I appreciate. Your Boston Celtics for pushing this damn series to seven games for the oh sake of entertainment purposes. Imagine we had like 10 days. A week off a of ball. That's what I'm saying. That's literally what I'm saying. Imagine Miami had finished this in four. Denver finished the four. It's like, oh, no, we're without anything. We got to resort to watch, watching like the baseball, NHL for a week and a half. It's like, no, thank you. So at the bare minimum, I like the fact that Boston made this series. And when you looking back at it, that was a crazy Eastern Conference Finals. I ain't even going to lie to you, man. I know it was a bitter ending for you, but like, you got like that, that game six. I already know that game yeah, six. That Derek White, honestly, yeah, we were that's talking gonna, about it. And it was like. I ain't going to be surprised. That, that's going to be a poster on your wall one of these dude, days, that, I swear. Dude, that, that uh, I'm talking to you. It was like, it was the Malcolm, but- in my lifetime, it was the Malcolm Butler interception and that. And then my dad was like, yo, in Celtics history, from what he's seen, he's like, it's Bird steals the ball, Havlicek steals the ball, 
the Gerald Henderson play, and the Derek White play. So he's like, that's a top four Celtics play in history. That, that um, one's up there for sure. But but the for fact sure. that it, it's probably going to get minimized now kind of sucks because they didn't win the series. Yeah, no, for sure. But in, in playoff, like in terms of like top playoff moments, 100% that's up there. That was, yeah, that was just, that was mental. That was an absolutely insane, insane ending. But, oh man, a lot more to, to talk about there. But yeah, that'll do it. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter, and we will see y'all next week. Enjoy games one and two of the finals. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked and stay tuned. We got a lot more sports content coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.